Red with Jay Blessed is a transparent look into the life and mind of a Caribbean woman having human experiences. Get into my mind as I share my most vulnerable thoughts and honest experiences. I'll take you on a roller coaster of emotions as you get to know someone who might share similar experiences with you. Some might make you speechless, you'll definitely laugh. Others might make you angry and some might even make you cry. But my very real, very raw, very relatable weekly podcast will always keep you coming back for more. Join me as I talk to myself, talk to you, and even talk to some special friends in my head. (laughs) In my head is an introspective look from a voyeuristic point of view. For a list of all my social channels and how you can connect with me, please view this episode's summary. To join in on the conversation, use the hashtag HeadWithJB. That's H-E-A-D-W-I-T-H-J-B. And follow me on Instagram at RealJBlessed and Twitter at JBlessed. Let's get in on the conversation together. Don't forget to log on to my official website, JBlessed.com. A human experience from a Caribbean perspective. Episode 33, Stay Home and Save Lives with Dr. Cindy M. Duke. In my head. Happy, happy Friday. (laughs) I'm bringing love and joy and healing energy and positive vibrations and everything that is good and of a good report into your ear right now, into the atmosphere right now. The world is going through such a tumultuous time as anxiety clouds over our homes, our communities, our countries. It is a scary time right now globally as we deal with this pandemic that is the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so I am so happy that you are taking time out of your day to spend some time with me. Ah, man, what a year March has been. (laughs) Like, seriously, March has been a whole goddamn year. Can we just throw away 2020 and start again? Man, (laughs) when they said 2020 was going to be a movie, but we're here, we're alive. And in this moment, and I always talk about gratitude, in this moment, I am grateful, and I hope you are too, that you are safe at home for those who can be at home and that you are at home, that you are sheltered, that you have running water, that you have food in your cupboards and there's food in your fridge, that you are in your right mind and your healthy bodies. I have a few friends that are affected by COVID-19. And so I'm sending my love out to those of you who are or are connected to people who are dealing with this, you know, crazy ass disease that there is no cure for at this moment. There is no vaccine. Rapid tests are really low. It's just a very scary place to be. And so I am sending my love out to my friends who have tested positive, my friends who are in quarantine, my friends who are going through the motions. I'm also sending love to my friends who've lost friends um, due to COVID-19. And above all, I want to send special thanks to those essential workers on the front lines. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the doctors, the nurses, the medical professionals, the law enforcement, our politicians who are out there still doing work, our volunteers, um, those in the banking industry, those who still work in the restaurant industry that are still preparing food for those who are on the front lines, those who are preparing foods for kids who are out of school, but still there's about 75% of kids in the New York school district come from low-income families. And 25% of those in our 
schools are homeless. So much love to those people who are also out there providing daily breakfast and lunch to New York City kids. Man, thank you to the truck drivers. Thank you to the essential workers. Thank you to those who still have to go outside. Thank you to the MTA train conductors and drivers and bus drivers. Thank you to all of our essential workers who are still on the front lines going to work every day. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. But above all, I really want to encourage you to stay home and save lives, right? And so that's how we flatten the curve. So today's episode is really focused solely on the coronavirus. And I have one of our, uh, <laughs> one of our Jaybirds, one of our Jaybirds guests, um, a favorite guest of mine back here today, Dr. Cindy Duke is here, not in studio <laughs> because we're all on restricted movement and she's on the West Coast, but I got Dr. Cindy to uh, call in today. So we're going to hear from her shortly. In the meantime, do not forget to follow me on Instagram. It's at R-E-A-L-J-A-Y-B-L-E-S-S-E-D on Twitter at J-A-Y-B-L-E-S-S-E-D. And you can find me on Facebook, J Plus. You know what to do. I have not been blogging um, and that is totally okay for me. <laughs> I need a break just like you do. And you know what? Above all, in this season of restricted movement and self-isolation and for others, quarantine, um, I'm learning how to be still. March was a crazy month for me. Like, man, man, Mar- if, if March could have broken me, it would have, but God. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be my right mind. I'm grateful to dig deep within myself to find love and joy and peace. And so even though I can't go outside and be around people as we all should not be doing, um, I can go on my roof and I could bask in the sun. And I actually did that one day last week. And sat on my roof for about eight hours because it was the sunniest day last week. Was it Friday, Thursday or Friday? Um, and it so happened. Jeez, have mercy. That particular day that I was on my roof, I decided to do a Facebook Live. And y'all, <laughs> why is it that that Facebook Live ended up in the New York Daily News with me in my pajamas? But uh, shout out to Mr. Jared McAllister, who always shows love. Um, your girl was featured in the New York Daily News uh, this past Sunday, March 29th. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you to those who actually got a newspaper and those who read it online. Um, man, we are doing our work and I want each of us to know that we can do something. I want to send a special shout out to those who are providing free food to medical professionals. Much love to Dom Poo, David uh, and Stratus and the whole team out at Brooklyn Chop House in the city that have been donating food daily to medical professionals in the city. And also love goes out to my dude Les of On Track Disco, On Track International, who's doing his thing. Make sure when this is all over that you go out and support Brooklyn Prime because he too, uh, Monday through Wednesday, is going out there to Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan hospitals to feed workers for free. And so I applaud y'all. And there's so many people in the community doing things silently. They're donating money. They're giving resources. They're giving time. They are they are working on behalf of others to mobilize people to stay home, to feed other... Man, people are doing work. So... Round of applause to you. Thank you for being a good human being. For y'all who don't know how to keep your ass at home, this is not the time to play around. <laughs> I think I saw my friend Skinny post on his Facebook page, yo, people who are outside still who can't take their ass at homes, the type of mu- the type of people who will get bitten. 
<laughs> in a horror movie by a zombie and hide it. <laughs> Those are the people that you cannot trust. Okay? Stay your ass at home. How about that? What you going outside for? What you going outside for? What is outside fear? And then what, what you bringing it back in here for? Um, listen, I'm done talking. I'm going to catch you back on the end. But Dr. Cindy M. Duke uh, is amazing. She is a former guest on episode 17, Will I Ever Have a Child? If you've not heard that episode, episode 17, Will I Ever Have a Child? Go check it out. She dropped so much gems on that episode for both men and women. So go check that out. Um, And she is a daughter of the soil. She's a Caribbean woman hailing from Tobago. uh, And she is a renowned fertility doctor. She's an MD, PhD trained physician scientist who is board certified in obstetrics and gynecology. Fellowship trained in reproductive endocrinology and infertility, uh, but she also holds a PhD in microbiology and immunology. So um, shout out to all the Caribbean born and raised doctors and nurses, physicians, your medical professionals. I don't care if you're an orderly, a CNA, I don't, it don't matter to me. You are out there every day caring for someone else, treating someone else. Um, and we applaud you for the work that you do. And, you know, in this time, putting yourself out there and putting yourself at risk to take care of others, to help flatten the curve and stop the spread of the coronavirus. So thank you, thank you, thank you, fam. In my head. Uh, so Doc, you are a Nevada-based doctor who specializes in OBGYN and a friend of the show. You've been here before talking about fertility. Um, but just in case people did not know, you have your PhD in microbiology and immunology. Oh, so I... PhD, Doctor of Philosophy in Microbiology and Immunology, specifically with a focus on virology, which is the study of viruses. Um, And my work, my PhD work, was actually manipulating and modifying viral vectors, different viruses, to manipulate the human immune response. Okay, so you are not new to the coronavirus. (laughs) This strain of coronavirus, yes, but I'm very familiar with the family of coronaviruses, which range from the viruses that cause the common cold to the ones that we're seeing causing SARS and now this modified version that's causing COVID-19. The world is blanketed in fear of this um, invisible global threat. And I know you've done many interviews, just saw you recently on the Roland Martin show. You've actually been um, doing very often videos on your Facebook Live just for your audience and people to share very vital information. So let's break this down simply. I think people at this point in time should know, but just a reminder of what is COVID-19. So COVID-19 is a disease that's caused by an infection from a virus known as a coronavirus. And so majority of people in the world will be infected by the virus, but most of us will not know it and will not develop COVID-19 disease. However, the stories we're hearing about are specifically and mostly about the people who do go on to develop COVID-19 disease, which is, it can be quite dangerous, and for some people, it can cost lives, you know. But to give a sense of what COVID-19 is, think about it this way. The virus, coronavirus, has now infected almost 750,000 people in the world, right? 750,000. Of those, 34,000 people have died from COVID-19 disease. And it's very infectious, that's for sure. Um, and it can cause really bad disease that puts a huge strain on our healthcare system. And that's really why all this uproar is going on. It's not just because people are dying, which, by the way, is a big deal. People are dying. But what's more worrisome is about one third of the people who are infected 
require hospitalization. And uh, we only have so many hospital beds. And for a subset of those, about 5% of people who get infected, they need to be in the intensive care unit on a machine that them breathe. And that's where we don't have enough ventilators anywhere in the world, especially not in the U.S. And it's what we're seeing. That's the crisis in New York City right now is we don't have enough ventilators. What makes this strain of coronavirus so much more dangerous than the flu? You know, it's dangerous in part by how contagious it is. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people try to compare this strain to the flu. There are those who've said things like, well, you know, the flu is deadlier. We don't know that for 100%, but what we do know is it's definitely more contagious than influenza. And the worst part makes it dangerous is because we do not have a vaccine for it, whereas we have a flu shot. So that's one of the big differences already. We can help a lot of people, particularly people who will be vulnerable to influenza. We can help them get the flu shot. Well, our healthcare workers in the United States, they all get flu shots. Right now, healthcare workers are amongst the hardest hit around the world. They're being infected, they're dying, but they're also spreading the virus because we don't have adequate protective healthcare workers to wear when we're dealing with COVID-19 patients. That's the first thing. We have no proven medication right now for coronavirus. And so between those two, that's a huge difference. In my head. So uh, there were earlier reports that there are more people, that there are people who are more susceptible to getting the virus. And so therefore, a larger sect of our community, the millennials, those who fall into the healthier bracket, said, oh, that's just like an old people, you know, virus or a virus that could affect people who have underlying health issues, uh, immunocompromised people. But we're seeing that that is not entirely true. There was a nine-month-old baby that was tested positive and died in Chicago. A lot of those kids who were down in Florida for spring break that didn't want to heed the warning are now testing positive. So what can you do to advise people who are not taking this seriously, and especially people of color who think, oh, you're not hearing black people die from this, which we know now is not true. What can you say to just drill into their minds that this is really serious and it's not a time to play games with your health? Yes. Well, the first thing I would say is viruses do not discriminate. We've known this always, and it's holding true here. There is nobody that has special immunity to any virus, especially not this novel virus that we haven't seen before. The second is stay home, okay? <laughs> if I, I'm going to yes, stay home. As they say in the Caribbean, hard airs does feel, meaning if you don't stay home, you're going to expose yourself. And, you know, there are two reasons why young people are down with it. One is because they're not listening, they're actually the ones who are most likely to get infected and spread this virus. But also, they keep hanging out with their friends, so they keep getting reintroduced to the virus. The system keeps taking a hit. And, you know, there are eight strains of this virus. So even if your body may have, you're young, you're healthy, you've been exposed to one strain and you did okay, maybe you then go to another party, another event, like in spring break, you're going from party to party, you're being exposed to multiple strains potentially. And so your immune system can only fight so much, even if you're healthy. And then you're coming home to your family and friends and your grandma and your grandpa, and you are now exposing them. You are. And the other thing is, to be honest, in the United States, a lot of young people have underlying disease or they have underlying risk factors, which include smoking and vaping. And those are risk factors for infections like this. And so they're not exactly 100% healthy they're just not seeing a doctor regularly because they feel fine but it doesn't mean their lungs are healthy how to stop the spread of the coronavirus in five easy steps wash your hands regularly for 20 to 40 seconds with soap and water or an alcohol-based hand rub 
Cover your nose and mouth with a disposable tissue or flexed elbow when you cough or sneeze. Do not touch your eyes, nose, or mouth if your hands are not clean. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. And stay home and self-isolate from others in the household if you feel unwell. For more information on the coronavirus, please search COVID-19 online. That also highlights how dangerous this virus is because it attacks your respiratory system. It does. I've seen um, a scan of a um, patient who Mm -hmm. was asymptomatic, who had the virus, and they did a scan of his lungs. And you can see how the virus was really, really spreading. And that's scary. As an asymptomatic patient, Mm -hmm. not having symptoms. Yes, you can have what's called white out of the lung, the color white. So on imaging, it looks like a white out lung. Now, what's interesting, particularly in younger people, you don't feel like you're struggling to breathe until most of your lung capacity and reserve have compromised. And that's because we have so much reserve. And so for a young person who's otherwise healthy, healthy lungs, no history of asthma, no history of other lung disease or smoking, they won't realize until it's much later that, hey, I'm working a little bit harder here to breathe. And that's why we're hearing these scary stories of young people who collapsed, young person who was fine, but they found them in their kitchen, you know. And of course, as your body is working hard to get oxygen, then your heart starts working harder. And ultimately, that's what's causing death in most of the people with COVID-19 is their heart fails. They die of cardiac arrest as a result of their heart working so much harder to try to pump blood to get more oxygen to the cells. You actually answered a question that I was going to ask. Thank you for that because we've been hearing that a lot of victims or patients have been having induced heart attacks. And I wanted to know, is that just because they may have underlying heart issues, but it's not? It's not. If you have underlying heart issues, you're more likely to end up in the severe category faster. But no, you can have a perfectly underlying healthy heart. But if you don't have oxygen, the purpose of your heart is to pump blood that's carrying oxygen from your lungs. If you're not doing well, you don't have enough oxygen, your heart's working too hard. It's going to overwork itself. So um, 45 said that... <laughs> <laughs> that he's extending um, a basically restricted movement until April 30th. Now, I heard on your interview with Roland Martin that you said we haven't even peaked yet because people don't want to stay home. So we haven't been able to really localize this virus and treat it. It's scary. Um, based on your observation when do you think this virus might peak in the United States? Well, you know, there are actually lots of people who are working on the modeling, and I've been following the models. And every model is dependent on people listening and just staying home. Right now, unfortunately, people are still traveling from state to state to state. So, for example, California, which is one of the three hardest-hit states right now, the models suggest that they won't peak until end of April, early May, and that by the end of August, they will have had almost 7,000 deaths if people actually follow the restrictions. Wow. Peak is expected to be end of April if people follow instructions. For New York City, um, similar question, right? The question right now is, has New York closed its borders enough? And the second is, based on the information coming out of China, Italy, places where they is you actually have to start moving patients out of the general population as well. And so you can't keep your COVID-19 patients in the same hospital and the same staff treating people who don't have COVID from people who have COVID. But in order to be able to know who has COVID, Jay, 
test people. And so until we're testing people, there's no way to truly say we're peaking or not peaking because we don't really know the scope of the disease anywhere in this country yet because we haven't tested enough people. Um, Funny that you should say that right now in New York City, over 32,000 people have been diagnosed as of the 29th of March with 678 dead, one person dying every 8.9 minutes. Um, and, And we saw that China built a hospital in 10 days. I mean, in New York, we're still waiting for them to build a second Avenue train line for the last 30 years. So, but there's been, there's been, um, a lot of, uh, construction happening right now in Central Park, Jacob Javits, uh, even the wing are turning, um, that those spaces, those public spaces and private spaces into makeshift hospitals so that they can accommodate the overflowing COVID-19 patients and take them away, like you said, from the general public. Let's talk about a COVID-19 vaccine. When do you think one might be available to the public? You know, if I were speaking optimistically, I would say to the public, no less than 18 months. Wow. Uh, And that's actually an expedited timeline, right? And I tell you this, as someone who actively worked on creating vaccines, the first step is you first have to prove that it works in non-human model. Then you have to prove that the candidate, if it worked in a non-human model, make sure it's safe for use in humans. And then once you know it's safe, then you test widely to see if it's effective. So here's what I predict happens. Once we have clinical trials completed, and we certainly have one trial that started in Washington State about three weeks ago, once we have results from that trial, if it's promising, the first persons to get the vaccine would be the high risk, not the general population, but it would be people in the healthcare sector who are more exposed and people with underlying disease. And then if they do well, they'll then extend it to the general population. And so I don't see general population getting this vaccine for a good year and a half, minimum. How to stop the spread of the coronavirus in five easy steps. Wash your hands regularly for 20 to 40 seconds with soap and water or an alcohol-based hand rub. Cover your nose and mouth with a disposable tissue or flexed elbow when you cough or sneeze. Do not touch your eyes, nose, or mouth if your hands are not clean. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. And stay home and self-isolate from others in the household if you feel unwell. For more information on the coronavirus, please search COVID-19 online. do you think we can have more rapid testings available? Yeah, you know, rapid testing is coming online. New York State uh, was did something re- pretty remarkable two weeks ago, which is the governor went ahead and approved private laboratories to do testing if they had the technology, um, as opposed to waiting for the FDA to green light larger companies. Now, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has started greenlighting companies. And so, for example, this past weekend, one company was approved that has a 15-minute test. Uh, Two weekends ago, there's another company that was approved. They have a 45-minute test. Uh, What's neat about the 15-minute test is it's called a point-of-care test, which means it's mobile. You can take it to the patient. So that should be really helpful for going, say, door to door, like they did China, where they went to each person's household, knocked on the door, asked if you had symptoms, did a rapid test. If you were positive, they took you away um, until, you know, they really curbed it. I think we'll do everything in that detail, gives you that opportunity. And it's definitely something that can be used in rural areas that don't have hospitals. So if somebody's positive, you take them to the larger hospital center that has the resources. So that's the benefit of that. The company that was approved for that 15-minute test said that by the end of this week, they can send out 50,000 tests per day. 
And so that should really revolutionize the way we're testing in the United States. Mind you, Jay, we've been really far behind. In uh, South Korea, for example, both of the countries who were using the tests established through the World Health Organization, it's one day to get results. While here in the United That's States, five up to 10 days. You know, there are nurses and doctors across the country who got tested because they suspected they had symptoms, had to wait 10 days. And so they either kept working or stayed home with worsening symptoms. Such that by the time they got results, now they were in the intensive care unit because it took so long for a confirmation. So we are hearing that um, doctors and medical professionals are advising you, if you do have symptoms, to stay home stay quarantined and call into your your health provider. Um, and I can see why that's essential now if a lot of doctors who are serving COVID-19 patients may be exposed or may be even positive and asymptomatic. You don't want to not have it and then go and then actually get it, right? So what are some of the signs uh, or, or symptoms that someone should be aware of that would now prompt them to actually go to the hospital because we're advising people not to go to the hospital and overwhelm the healthcare system. So when is the time to go to the hospital? Yes. And to be clear, um, you're in New York City. Part of the reason why they're telling people to stay home is because they're out of beds. (laughs) They don't have hospital beds and their hospital staff, they're running on their fumes at this point. So that's the first reason. But certainly, the, as everybody sees, the symptoms of coronavirus infection, they and can range from very straightforward, simple, manageable things like, oh, a mild fever, cough, shortness of breath. So we're talking about the symptoms that actually lead you to think, I need to go to the hospital because I'm in trouble. So those symptoms would be, you're having trouble to breathe, meaning you are working very hard. It's going to be the person who maybe they take a breath, but they're still feeling lightheaded. They're feeling dizzy. They're on a they can't really, they feel like they're going in and out of consciousness. A person like that definitely should not stay home. If you're someone who's having pain with breathing, like you take a deep breath in and you have to stop yourself because the pain was so much you couldn't keep inhaling, that's reason to go to the hospital. Uh, Those are signs that suggest things are bad. If you're someone who can look at your fingertips and they're turning blue, meaning you're not even able to get oxygen to the tips of your finger, they're turning blue, they're turning dark, your your toes are turning dark, you should go to the hospital right away. Um, And so those will be some of the signs. I think if you're just having like diarrhea, runny nose, um, sore throat, then you can manage symptomatically from home. So let's talk about those methods and at-home remedies and even medication that one can take when they start feeling little tingles. And now with fear and worry, now your mind starts working overtime. So some people are actually kind of like mentally wishing, oh my God, do I have it? Do I have it? Man, you just have a sore throat. Okay, right? It's <laughs> you know, allergy season because right. we spring across the United States. And so with allergy season, it makes it hard because there's so many symptoms that could be confused for what we've described as coronavirus infection symptoms. And so that's the first thing I like to remind people is, again, being infected with coronavirus doesn't mean you have COVID-19 disease, but if you're infected, of course, you can spread it. So some people, all they may develop, if they develop any symptoms at all from the infection, might be a sore throat, maybe a runny nose, but that can be confused with allergies. So my first thing that I say is, if you know you have a history of allergies and allergy season every year, like March, April rolls around and you're uncomfortable, first step is take your allergy medicines, right? That's the first thing. Before you jump to conclusions about the person who maybe coughed 10 feet away from you on the subway, (laughs) because we're all a little bit worried and paranoid about that now. The first thing I would say is go ahead and take your allergy medicines, right? If 
if you're at home and you think you have a fever, first things first, everybody should have a thermometer. Historically, only people with children tend to have thermometers at home, but everybody should have one. So if you think you have a fever, don't use the back of your hand. Don't rely on mommy or grandma to tell you if you have a fever by touching you. Take a temperature. If your temperature is under 100.5 Fahrenheit or under 38 degrees Celsius, be reassured that that's not a fever. <laughs> fever is 38 degrees Celsius or higher or 100.5 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. But let's say you have a low-grade fever, but otherwise you're not tr having trouble to breathe, your fingers aren't turning colors and so forth. Go ahead and take some acetaminophen, some Tylenol. Now, Tylenol is an interesting medication. You have to be very specific with your dosing. Don't overdo it. Look at the package of the Tylenol that you have at home. Read it carefully and only take the dose that's written on the packet. And don't take it more than every eight hours. That's the first thing. Other than that, you know, some people have talked about changing the humidity in your home. If you're someone breathing, so maybe humidifier. Um, there are people who talk about using things like neti pots or pots. My caution there is to be careful because there are stories coming out now of people who've overdone that and scalded themselves because there are unfortunately some unverified, equally to prove that they're not factually correct, sites out there that are promoting things like drinking alcohol, steaming alcohol, steaming your face with really hot water. Don't do that, guys. That's a fire hazard, a burn hazard. And with the alcohol, it's an explosion waiting to happen. In my But for a lot of people right now, they're home, they ain't doing nothing but watching Netflix or quarantine and chilling. Um, and some of them doing the nasty, right? <laughs> it's a reality. You know, people get bored. They need something to do. So what do you advise in this present state on actually actively getting pregnant? You know, right now we have not told anybody not to actively try at home to get pregnant, but we do say be mindful that we don't know enough about coronavirus or COVID-19 to guarantee you that there's no potential bad outcome that we'll find out about in a year or two years from now. And what about those women who are already pregnant and due to deliver soon going to hospitals that are housed in COVID-19 patients right now? So one of the big things that we're working on as OBGYNs nationally is encouraging, not so much encouraging, but petitioning for a standardization and a universal protocol for women. Uh, in China, what things they saw in helping to keep the pregnant population, particularly the hospitalized pregnant population, safe from COVID-19 was to test every pregnant woman who showed up to the hospital so that they could isolate her, isolate her partners, put her in the right place before things got worse. But also in China, they insisted that everybody wear PPE, every healthcare worker to protect themselves, but also especially the pregnant patient and their unborn child. So we're petitioning for that now. I know in New York, most labor and deliveries in New York City have now started screening women. And get this, Jay, at one hospital in particular, they've shared some of their information in the last week. 30% of the pregnant women who came to labor and delivery and had no symptoms were positive. Wow. Wow. And so, for, go ahead. No, so, so it proves, right, that a young, healthy person could be a carrier and absolutely have no symptoms, even if pregnant. And and uh, we were having a conversation offline before, like, you're pregnant, you're carrying a living being inside of you that's putting pressure on your lungs, on your bladder, on your, your heart. heart. Right. Yes. Right. OMG. Heart has to work pregnant because it has to pump more fluid. It, your lungs, you, as your belly grows, your lungs can't move air 
to as deep as it could. So we call it the ventilation rate goes up, meaning you breathe more often because your breaths are sh- And so that does put a pregnant woman at a little bit more risk compared to the average person who can take a full deep breath. But on top of that, what we also know from the limited data so far, you know, what's interesting about COVID-19, like I was saying, Jay, is we've only really been following it since December. At least the Chinese have been following it since December. So no, no, we don't have any data yet from anybody who got pregnant during the 19 pandemic and seeing them deliver to know for sure that it doesn't impact the first trimester or the second trimester. Um, but what we can do is we can extrapolate from SARS back in 2008, 2009, 2007 even. If a woman in her first trimester got a SARS infection and had a really high fever, she was more likely to miscarry. Mm-hmm. And here, if that information is to explain to pregnant women, stay home as much as you can, practice social distancing, use your alcohol cleansers, wear a mask, you have access to it. And more importantly, if you're pregnant and you suspect you're having any of those symptoms, don't sit around at home, call your doctor. Every OB clinic, every obstetric clinic has a 24-7 on-call line that you can call and they'll tell you where to go. Um, And also, if you're a healthcare worker who's pregnant, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has recommended that no pregnant healthcare worker involved in direct patient care. Wow. Go to your supervisors and explain what's happening and you can actually cite the CDC as well. The CDC's recommendation, if you're pregnant and a healthcare worker, you be moved from non-patient-facing duties. What about health workers who have had a history of cancer? Uh, again, if you're a health worker, history of cancer who's either not fully in remission, or if you're a health worker who is still on suppression, a lot of people who've had cancer... They're now cancer-free, but they're cancer-free because they've remained on a very low-dose form of chemotherapy or steroid to keep the cancer from coming back. If you're one of those, you're high risk. Don't take chances. You should definitely be staying home as much as you can. And you may need to stay home for the next four months even because let's be clear, right? We're talking about potential peaks for coronavirus, it doesn't mean it's going away. We're just hoping we contain it and not keep having rising numbers. But it won't be gone in a month or two months. It'll be around. We're just hoping it'll be contained. All right. So Dr. Cindy is telling us to stay home and use the birth control. Me <laughs> <laughs> too. And, you know, if but especially doesn't want to get pregnant right now, pull-out method is not a form of birth control. Rhythm is not a form of birth control. Get some birth control, right? Condoms are good barrier protection. If you need to get your birth control pills, call up the pharmacy. Many pharmacies can deliver, or you can do the drive-through at a pharmacy to pick up your meds. Pull-out is not a method. The doctor just said so, okay? And she's serious. If you can see her face right now. detected here. No. <laughs> Dr. Zindi, thank you so very much. We needed to talk about fertility and the COVID-19, so thank you. In my head. So, um, Caribbean people have their own home remedies, and right now it's all about boosting our immune system, right? So, based on not your medical background, but more your Island Guild background from Tobago, right? <laughs> What can we use in our homes since we are grounded and even though pharmacies are open, but if you can't go out to the pharmacy right now, um, what is in our refrigerator or in our, our cupboards that we can use right now to help boost up our immune system outside of taking our vitamins? And I do want you to advise what type of vitamins also. Yes. So the first thing, my disclaimer here is to explain to everyone that what I'm about to describe are things to boost your immune system to hopefully help you prevent becoming COVID-19 or really severe infection 
but they're not things that we know for sure are proven to fight this virus, nor are they things that will keep you from going to the hospital if you're having severe symptoms, okay? If you're at home having the symptoms that I just described as worrisome, don't stay home and just drink bush tea because I'm about to describe how some of those things work, okay? And you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of bush tea in general. I'm just saying don't stay home and drink bush tea until you pass out. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so give me the island girl remedies for being sick at home. So things that help boost your system or fight inflammation, well, we know turmeric has been proven to have anti-inflammatory properties, including turmeric in your regimen from day to day is good at for boosting your immune system's anti-inflammatory process. Now, that said, some people, again, out of paranoia, have started using turmeric three, four, five times a day. Guys, your body can only absorb so much in any one day. All you're going to end up is yellow get poop, okay? So watch how you're doing it. Don't... <laughs> yellow poop from, from <laughs> turmeric and say. That's this. If you overdo turmeric, you can end up with diarrhea. So then you start thinking, oh, God, I have the virus, right? Because diarrhea is a symptom. So don't overdo it. Uh, vitamin C. Vitamin C has long been known to be an antioxidant. And vitamin C, somewhere in the range of 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams a day, has been shown to potentially have some boosting effect on some of your early immune cells early, which is the ones that fight off early types of infection. Those cells aren't very good at fighting off viruses, though, to be perfectly honest with you. But it's considered such. Another supplement that's been shown to have some potential immune boosting is zinc. And again, it has an impact on zinc is actually used by those early immune cells, sort of like your the people, the, if you had soldiers guarding the gates, those early immune cells are the soldiers that guard the gate. Now, if the virus got through the gate and invaded the body, you're going to need your specialized SWAT team and so forth. Those are your very much later immune cells. But zinc will boost the ones that are at the guard tower, the watchmen, so to be, speak. So at least they can help alert the the specialized soldiers, your T cells and your antibody making cells. B cells that hey problems coming right um so those are some other things that you can do is stay hydrated right drink enough water so you can flush your system you know when you drink water it's not just to flush your system water is how your cells use oxygen in your body if you don't have enough water your cells can't actually use the oxygen that they take from blood and so you need to stay hydrated that's important right eating so now is not the time to really embark on a full starvation diet because your immune system changes when you're starving your body is trying to conserve energy when it's starved it's trying to do a lot of things so now is not the time to start now it's not the time to overeat either right <laughs> <laughs> i mean everyone i think ate all their quarantine snacks already <laughs> time to embark on extreme dieting it's not the time and then speaking of dieting exercise so maintaining a regular exercise regimen also causes your body and your cells to work harder they need more energy they need more nutrients and so they'll do what we call faster cell turnover which should also help boost some of those good cells because when you work out let's say you do work with your muscles your immune system actually comes in to participate in your muscles recovering from wow. that work and so that's what's going on you're going to boost the recruitment of the good cells the build i know right now there is a shortage of uh, personal protective equipment for our medical professionals and they're also essential workers who may not be in the medical field they may be in the banking industry some restaurants are still open that are handling food and delivering in time so what can we also do when we leave the house to protect ourselves and safeguard against uh 
uh, transmission of the COVID? Yeah. You know, the first is it talks about social distancing. It makes a difference. It saves lives. Maintaining a distance of at least six feet between you and someone else or two meters. So that's one. Can you say that again, Dr. Cindy, because Caribbean people don't know how to stay out of people's business and out of their personal space. <laughs> we like to talk secrets and we like to whisper. We like to lead it and let somebody so a little bit about the person next to us. But yes, we really need to maintain six foot distances or two meters, right? Six foot is easy. Just imagine a tall person and stay a tall person distance away from the next person right? That's really the, the big key. But the other thing, right, is taking hand sanitizer with you. Ideally, we recommend washing hands because soap actually breaks up virus. And so that's why we say washing hands, soap, and water. But if you don't have access to either soap or water, you should have an alcohol-based sanitizer with you. And it re- the key here, guys, 60% alcohol, 6-0. I think what's happening right now that's worrying a lot of people is many people went online and found recipes for hand sanitizers with absolutely no breakdown of the alcohol percentage. And it turns out a lot of the homemade sanitizers that people are using either have no alcohol or not enough alcohol. And without the alcohol, they can't break up the virus. Um, but take get good hand sanitizer, take it with you. Uh, avoid spaces that are crowded. Avoid um, touching surfaces and hard surfaces if you can't wipe them down. So for me, I've been doing this forever. The virologist in me means I always have Purell in every type of handbag I have. I always have uh, antibacterial wipes. Now, it's not because of the antibacterial, because this is a virus, it's not a bacterium. But they usually also have disinfectants in them. So I always bring disinfectant wipes with me. So that's when I'm out and about. Um, You know, most places right now are using PPE, but yes, PPE shortages are there. They're especially in the hospitals, which is dangerous on so many levels for healthcare workers, the general community, and those healthcare workers' families that they need to go home to um, at the end of their shifts. But if you're a healthcare worker out there, that's another thing that you need to do is to keep your PPE. And I know as a healthcare worker, our patients come first that we will sacrifice life and limb, our own life and limb, it meant saving someone else. But at this point, guys, it's, and I know there are a lot of people in the Caribbean community who are within health. Yes, they are. It's not just to your doctors or your nurses. It's to the person at the front desk checking in someone in the emergency room. It's to the person cleaning the hospital. It's the person who brings food. It's the person who changes the beds and the linen. It's everybody. And so we need to really pay attention and provide PPE, you know, hashtag protect our healthcare workers. And hashtag flatten the curve, hashtag stay home, save lives, hashtag yeah. keep your ass at home. <laughs> oh. Stay home. Say it again, Doc. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a true Caribbean woman. Dr. Cindy M. Duke, I thank you so much. This information was so helpful and is a helpful reminder from one of our sisters that is knowledgeable in her field, we thank you for sharing some of your time. I know you're extremely busy, but thank you also for just reminding because sometimes you just need someone else that you're familiar with or who sound like you to tell a listener, stay home. Stay home. And believe me, guys, when I say that it changes the curve, staying home changes things. Because 50% of us have been staying home, we've already cut the number of projected deaths in the United States by over half, but we still stay home. And then when you see somebody who's not staying home, tell them, hey, go home. They need to home. They can't be out there. It's not about one person anymore. This is about the collective human 
uh, survival. You know, one of the doctors I know from Italy, he said something that really struck me. And he said, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about the economy. A lot of people are like, let's just get people back out to work. But would you rather die rich or survive a, a little, little bit poorer? Thank you so much, Dr. Cindy. I'm always happy when you jump on the podcast and guys i'm sorry we're doing this from home dr cindy at home i'm at home but now you gotta go to work so thank you for the work that you're doing out there in nevada thank you for the work that you're doing by sharing thank you in my head it's always a great session when we got uh professionals from the islands, just professionals in the whole, but specifically for those of Caribbean heritage, when we have, you know, people who are excellent in their field coming on board here on the show to share their knowledge with us. So thank you so much, Dr. Cindy M. Duke, for being a friend of the show. In the meantime, if you have mild symptoms, please stay home until you've recovered. You can relieve your symptoms if you rest and sleep, keep warm, drink plenty of fluids, and you can even use a humidifier or take a hot shower to help ease a sore throat and cough. I know a lot of my peeps are very into essential oils. Um, This is, of course, is not medical advice, but I specifically love essential oils like eucalyptus, um, I love lavender, which I use at night to help me get a peaceful rest when I can't. Um, we're, we're upping our green and leafy vegetables and our fruits. We're eating a lot more garlic and we're eating a lot more um, onions and we're drinking stuff with ginger. You know, these are things we kind of grew up on. So, you know, it, it's about tapping back into what, you know, back to basics. How about that? Back to basics. So big up my grandparents and my ancestors who have given me the knowledge throughout the generations to use certain home remedies. And I know a lot of you guys are doing that. Shout out to my Haitians, my Bajans, my Grenadians, my Bensis, everybody from the VI. Listen, my Bahamians, all my island posse, everyone in South America who really know what it is to like... Drink some bay leaf tea. (laughs) Who know what it is to make their own homemade elixirs to help with, uh, you know, battling a a cold or a flu, you know. So shout out to all of you guys who are doing everything possible organically, holistically to boost your system. Ayo, shout out to my girl, Greer. We've had her on the episode before. If you do not know who Greer is, she was my guest here on In My Head who shrunk her pancreatic tumor um, by living a full plant-based life. So if you've uh, not done so yet. If you're new to the podcast, yo, we got a wealth of information right here. And for the month of April, I will be covering the coronavirus from various perspectives. Today, we had our medical expert, um, Dr. Cindy Duke, and we may have her on in the future just in case there are new developments. Thank you so much, Dr. Duke, for being available. We're going to be covering, you know, the effects of COVID-19 and um, on our mental health. You know, isolation is cool for some people who are introverts, but the extroverted types, you know, those people who love to be outside, love to be around people, you know, how are they battling with isolation and loneliness and maybe bouts of depression? You know, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about the financial uh, effects of the coronavirus and those who are followed or laid off or fired or not working at all. Like we got to talk about that. And, you know, with these bailouts, like what does that look like? What would that mean for you? We got to talk about, you know, social distancing and what our new normal might be or might feel like. There's so many things to cover based on what we are presently experiencing. And I will be doing so as best as I can (laughs) with my limited resources (laughs) as I learned (laughs) right here on In My Head. So thank you so very much, fam. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much for sticking and staying with me right here on In My Head.
Before I go, don't forget to check up on your elderly. Make sure you're calling your friends. The phone works. You can actually dial a number. You know, like I know y'all like to text a lot, but pick up the phone. Call a friend. Call a loved one. Um, Life is too short. We keep saying that, right? But now when we're limited, when we are restricted, when, you know, we're really now living in our own little cocoons, how are you making the best of life? How are you using your time? And you could be working on the next biggest project. I am all here for that. Um, But don't beat yourself up if you can't be productive in this moment. Maybe this season is just for you to rest. So I look forward to seeing you next week. I pray that you get sweet rest. I pray that your mind will be at ease. And whatever it is that you're going through, I pray that you overcome. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. It's your girl, Jay Bless, and this has been episode 33 of In My Head.